Hey listeners, you've heard on the podcast from casting directors and Broadway directors just how vital a well-curated social media presence can be for your career. The Breakdown is proud to be partnering with TSMA Consulting, a globally recognized social media firm that can help you authentically grow your following without using bots, fake followers, or anything like that. I particularly love the welcome packet and the videos they include that help you optimize your account. And wow, did I learn a lot. The TSMA is offering an exclusive discount for our listeners. Use offer code BREAKDOWN20 for $20 off any of their growth packages at tsmagrowth.com. All right, listeners, on to the show. I'm Robbie, and this is The Breakdown. Steven, Steven, so happy to see you again. So, you too, Robbie. So wonderful to have you back on the podcast. Your episode is, without a doubt, one of the most popular, and I get oh. messages from emails and messages on Instagram all the time about your episode and just how much people loved it. So I know oh. that they are going to love hearing from you again. That's so sweet. Oh, that actually really touches me. I can't tell you. Um, that's really, really great to hear. Oh, yes, absolutely. You you have a lot of fans out there of, of you and your work. But um, we were we were in the middle of just um, catching up a little bit. And I and I said, I just want to click the record button because I <laughs> want to um, I want to hear just, you know, before we launch in, just kind of how you are, what's going on, how it is to be reemerging, but also not reemerging at the same time. It's this kind of weird in between phase I feel like we're in right now of being cautious and careful, but getting back to work. And, but also, you know, how are you outside of work and all of that? Yeah, I really, I, I yeah, appreciate it. You know, I've been, except for 10 days, 10 gorgeous days on the beach in Santa Monica, which I may never replace. I mean, and I certainly will never forget. I've been in New York, you know, on, in the Upper West Side for this entirety of this pandemic. So I've walked these streets so many nights, feeling it like a ghost town, feeling it boarded up, feeling where are the people? So it's, you know, for a while now, I guess for a year, I've been heartened by how things have begun little by little to come back. The other night, I was walking with my son past Lincoln Center, and we went up to the fountain, and I thought, you know, I've waited. It's been a year and a half that I've walked by here and seen the barricades and the guards and don't come near Lincoln Center. And I was, I was sitting on the fountain, which was such a joy, and people were on intermission from the mat, there at the opera, it was only like five days till performances began again at New York City Ballet, which is one of my favorite places in the world. And those were some of the first performances I ever saw of any kind in New York. So, um, so I'm refreshed. I just did my first um, in-person workshop for musicals since before the pandemic and the first one ever when everyone is fully masked and singing through masks, that was an adventure. Um, I've been to two Broadway openings. I guess I'm making my way back bit by bit, and I'm um, feeling good about that. I think that's so wonderful and so reassuring to hear. I know, I know we're all having the, the same, I feel like we're like apprehensive. We're crawling out and like looking around and, and hoping things continue in the way that they they have been and, and sounds wonderful. And um, one of the reasons we're talking today is, is because you in the middle of all of this reopening have released an album with a collaborator and 
someone who really no one's really ever heard of before, Mr. <laughs> Bert Ekarak. Yeah. <laughs> Just really, really incredible and really, really special. And what a way to emerge from, from a time of, you know, not much happening, but I, I have so many questions, okay. but, but let's just start with um, how you and Bert began your mm -hmm. relationship and how you met and maybe how it became a creative collaborative relationship. Was it like that right from the beginning or did it move into that? Or, you know, just wondering about the two of you. Yeah, I, um, well, I grew up listening to Bert and loving Bert and, you know, I can love from afar and, um, when Spring Awakening was kind of at its apogee, like it, 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 we had the most, it was we were really on Broadway succeeding. We were like at our highest moment. It was one of the few times in my life when my timing has been good. My, my music publishing deal ran out, right? The music publishers represent songwriters the way agents represent actors and writers. Suddenly, as opposed to like trying to get someone on the phone, I was like being wined and dined by the CEOs of these music publishing companies because I was at that moment in my career. In each meeting, and I met at a lot of places, we would reach a point where they would say, well, it sounds like you have your partner, for, you know, you have your relationship to Duncan, but who else can, what other composers can we introduce you to? And I would go blank. And then I said, Bert Backrack, and in each company, it was the same thing, a kind of odd self-conscious moment in their part. And then they would smile and say, well, Bert is amazing. And who else, like, are you thinking of? And they would, you know, list writers from songs on American Idol. Then I wound up in one company, it was Warner Chapel. And they said, oh, we've had Bert's guy here for 30 years. We should introduce you. And I thought, well, that's nice. And then a week later, Bert called me. And his daughter was a big fan of Spring Awakening. He hadn't seen the show yet, but he knew about it. And he invited me over and I went to his home and we had this incredibly warm time together. I knew that Bert's first gig um, was a musical director. He was musical director for Marlena Dietrich when he was very young. And I asked him about Marlena and he had a lot to tell. And Promises Promises had been the first Broadway cast album I'd ever owned. It was my sister's, but I took it. And um, we just had this great like hour and a half. It was really long and he was really generous. As I was about to leave, he said, it sounds like you have your partner in musical theater, but if you ever have a lyric sometime you'd like to show me, you know, I'm open. And I said, I brought one. And so then I reached into my backpack at backpack and I pulled out this lyric. It's actually a song on the album called Ready to Be Done With You. I handed it to Bert and we were walking out. I had been there a long time. He was walking me up the hall and he looked at it and then he was like glancing at it and then he stopped and then he stopped dead in the hall. He started reading it aloud and then he walked me back into the room we'd been sitting in and sat down and read the entire lyric aloud and kept saying things like, oh man, Stevie, who hasn't felt this? Oh, this is so real, man. Um, and then I was blown away and he, we, he walked me out, we left, I left. And he was headed to Sydney, Australia to conduct his first ever symphony. The first he'd written. I thought my head was spinning and I thought, well, that was my meeting with Bert Backrock. And then a couple months later, I got a call and it was Bert and he said, you know, I, I have a little something for that lyric you gave me if you'd like to hear it. And I was like, well, would I? So, so, so I came, I went over to his house and this time I was ushered into the, the grand white music room with the 
Grammys and Academy Awards and the view of the, you know, it was spectacular. And we sat down and I was sitting so close to him, just right next to him at the piano. And he had the lyric I'd given him, the, the pages I'd handed him, and he had written bars of music across it. He played through this song, which he had set the lyric verbatim. I mean, he hadn't changed a word, a syllable. And he had turned it into a background song. And I was shaken to my roots. It was so beautiful. And so he got to the end, and I, I'm rarely at a loss for words, but I said, could you play it again? So he, he said, of course. And they played it through the whole thing again. And then we talked, and he said, you know, he pointed out one line. He said, we could add a that in this line. And if we added a that, it would sound like that. And he played it through. We went through it for at least 20 minutes, maybe more, with the that, without the that. If it was the that, there are various versions with the that. So we talked, and then it was like, this is too too big a question to resolve right now. So, so we said we would revisit it. And it was the last thing I said. I said, Bert, you know, the song is really beautiful. And he said, our first one should be a great one. And so I said, I brought another lyric. So then he said, so then I reached into my backpack to give him a lyric and he took it and he started walking and he turned back and like, just looked at me, but it was a wink in the look, like the, the subtext was a wink. And he said, love songs. That's what I write, love songs. So we started writing love songs. And then uh, you said the, that that first song is in this. It is. Are you calling it, what are you calling it officially? Is it a concept album? Is it a, or oh, is the, it con a the, sh the, sh the album is a concept album. Yeah. Right. And um, it was Van Dean who runs Broadway Records who delivered the concept, which was that Broadway lovers sing some lovers. So we have pairs like Jonathan Groff and Leah Michelle or um, Conrad Ricamora and Ashley Park, um, you know, Santino Fontana and Laura Osnes. Mm -hmm. Derek Klenna and Christy Altamari, like people who have played lovers on Broadway singing the score of some lovers. The list of performers you have on this album, as you were just mentioning, is incredible. I mean, you know, and I feel like that was just a portion of them. You know, you have Kristen Chenoweth, you have you have some unbelievable Jennifer holiday. Oh, my gosh. Talk to me about the process of finding these voices to bring these songs to life. How did that take place? Was it the two of you collaborating? Was it, you know, making some phone calls to friends? You know, I'm sure it was a little mix of everything, but assembling this incredibly um, starry, but also wildly talented list of, of of this roster of cast. Just wanted to know a little bit more about that. I'll tell you, it was, it was less a little bit of everything and more a thing of one thing, which was me calling people. And, and it was, and it, um, I mean, we brainstormed ideas. Cody Lassen, who's our producer on the album and Van and I on the phone. And then I start calling people. I suppose you could, on one way, say I'm good at this because I've been effective getting this done. But on another way, I'm really not good at this. I'm so self-conscious asking people, which feels like a favor. So like asking John and Leah, and I was so thrilled that they, and they both said yes right away. And I was so touched. But John and Jonathan and Leah were actually starting the first ever workshop of our show, which was 12 years ago at, right now at the Mark Taper Forum. But prior to the pandemic, we had recorded 
Jennifer Holiday, which was a night of my lifetime with her holding my hand, listening to playbacks together and Jonathan and Leah and um, Santino and Laura and Lily Cooper by herself and Conrad and um, Ashley. And in fact, we had recorded Derek and Christy. So a number of them had recorded. Then no one left their homes for, I think the last thing I did before the pandemic was, oh, I'll tell you this. I was in LA. I'd been in LA for months and I flew back the end, I guess the beginning of March, 2020. My producer for this television musical I've been working on series um, put a mask and gloves on me. And I thought she was crazy. She said, there's a pandemic. I was like, oh really? And I flew back to New York because I had to be in the studio with Kristen Chenoweth to record her solo. And then I was coming back to LA the next day for this big meeting for a show. And that recording session never happened. Kristen couldn't fly. I mean, it was over, like moving around was over. So for so many months, we couldn't do anything. And then it was picking up the pieces and recording people remotely. Broadway Records was was able to find recording kits. So at some certain points, we could send them to people to record for. I mean, we recorded Ethan Slater in his closet. And he kept losing. We had like Zoom audio issues for an hour and a half. It just kept, just kept going out. It was crazy. And he was so patient and so giving and so touching. And when he sang, but I have to say, asking people was so hard and there are people you really want and your heart is set on them and you wait for them and they want to do it and you wait and it just doesn't work out, Mm -hmm. you know? And, um, the last song that needed to be recorded was welcome to my world. And I would not, and and some people were, you know, you have 12 songs, it's an album, it's a lock. It's just like, we're not putting this album out without that song. And someone who, we had thought was recording for a long time, then it couldn't work out like at the last minute. And we had to get the album done by a certain, there was a drop dead date to get it released for Grammy deadline, honestly. And um, I reached out to my old friend, Ramin Karimlu, and he said yes immediately. He was in Seoul, Korea, and he was in quarantine because he was giving a concert there. And he had just gotten out of quarantine in Japan. And um, I, asked him and we could not get the recording equipment to him in Seoul. They wouldn't accept it. So he's had such a date, like four days later, he was going to fly to New York. He was beginning a show here. So I, this was the second time I was at, so that was my 10 days in LA and I was in LA and I, we agreed I would fly back. We would meet in New York. And the day before he was flying his gig in New York, the show was canceled due to COVID issues. And so he was sent to London. I went ahead with my flight the next day and flew into Hurricane Ida. And so I was, we were circling JFK and then we were circling Detroit and then we were staying over in Minneapolis. They were offering us mats to sleep wherever we wanted in the airport. It was insane. So um, I didn't get back till kind of late in the day, the following day. And I ended up recording it, he was recording it, but I was on Zoom in an Uber on a freeway, like trying to get it done because it was so late London time and we had to get it done that day, New York time. So it was crazy. But I have to say, I'm amazed at the, I I was touched and moved by the generosity and gameness of so many performers, a number of whom are friends and a number of whom are really not. 
And I mean, I just didn't know them that well, but they agreed to do it. And the greatest treasure has been learning how pleased they are with the album. And now a number of them saying they're honored to be on it. And Bird is so proud of the album. It means so much to him. So special. The, the group that you've assembled, it's really beautiful. And the, um, and just that the collaboration between the two of you. I want to I want to back up a little bit. We started talking about the um, the performers because uh, uh-huh. you mentioned a few of them, and it's just so yeah. so thrilling. But talk to me. Okay, so you start writing a few of these songs, yeah. and then talk to me about how it becomes a musical. I will. It's it's actually um, well, two things happened. What I came to recognize was that the love songs Bird and I were writing were very different from the usual love songs we're according to here, pop songs, because they were all they were all sort of songs of mid-relationship disaffection. They were all songs of of something that's been going on. How do you find a way to make a it wasn't about falling in love and I'm gonna spend the rest of my life with you or I'm in love with you and you won't be with me. It was about we've been going through this for some years. How do we make this work or should we get out of this? And I had that realization and Bert and I had a, a kind of disappointment where one of the songs, which is now on the album, we had ha- a major pop star was going to record it and it was going to be a big breakthrough for our songwriting and we were so excited about it. And then it just didn't work out. She was in a studio. She couldn't deliver the song that day. Bert hadn't been there with her. It, it just, and it was so depressing. It was so sad. It was so hard for Bert too. And um, we kind of stopped writing for some time. And he, and then I said to him, I can be a little relentless. I said, you know, Bert, um, maybe you'll never write another song again and that's okay, but let's at least finish these couple songs we were in the middle of. And he thought about it and he agreed to do that. And then he, um, I went to his house, not to write, but to have lunch and to discuss. And we're sitting at, at the you know counter in his kitchen. And he said, you know, Stevie, I had, this dream last night that we rented a theater and played our songs. And I just reeled back and said, that's what we're going to do. And so from that day, I began crafting a musical out of our songs. It was almost like constructing a jukebox musical out of your own catalog in progress. Uh And I didn't know if we'd ever be writing any more songs and there weren't that many, you know, there were some. And because I'd had this insight about our songs be about relationships, which are kind of mid-relationship and infused with sort of disappointment and hope and renew and regret and renewed hope. I just thought, what about that story, some love, uh, what about that story, the gift of the Magi? And those, what about those young lovers? They are so, they made these tremendous sacrifices for each other. And then what happens to them 15 years down the road? when they're tired of making all those sacrifices or they're regretting what they've done or they're trying to find the way to make, you know, their hair grow again to get their their combs back, to get their watch back. We had been working on a Christmas song at that time, which is what also led me to um, The Gift of Man. So that's how we began. We barely knew what we were doing and we did our first workshop. And then we did a second and then we did, and then we got an offer from the Old Globe Theater to produce the play. We were not ready. The show was not ready. We didn't have a director, but we plunged in, you know, and we learned and it was not nearly as good as it needed to be. But then we, you know, you just work on, we worked on and worked on. We, we went, 
to another workshop. We had a concert at Lincoln Center, which Lonnie Price produced in 2016. Then we had a page to stage production in London. Then we did a show, we did a version of it up at the Adirondack Theater Festival in 2019. And finally there was a plan in place to launch the show. And then that fell apart. Of course, theaters around the world shut down. So we thought, well, what about this concept album, which we had begun recording? Let's focus on that. Exciting, exciting. It's it's so interesting. You know, obviously you set out and you have a plan and you have an idea and then so much we don't have control over just, you know, like a pandemic happening or, you know, and, and you always hear these stories of, oh, you know, Broadway musicals or big musicals, they just, they take so long to make. And, and it's true that, you know, they really do. And it doesn't just happen overnight. So is this just um, all songs or are there book scenes as well? On the album, there are, there are only songs. There's only songs, yeah. but for the, for the musical proper, is it oh, all songs? It's, it's, a, it's very, songs? no, no, no. It's me. It's a proper strange musical. It's got, you know, um, twisted. It, it it moves in and out of time. Do you know the play Betrayal by Harold Pinter? Mm-hmm. You know that play? How it's kind of a haunted memory play and it goes backwards in time. Mm-hmm. This play moves in and out of time like that. It's about um, two lovers trying to hold on in a city that's disappearing around them. And so we, um, it's for four actors. Four actors play two characters, Ben and Molly, who are the leading, you know, the, who are the characters. And you see them in their early 20s and you see them in their 40s. And they have scenes, first of all, the older selves who are completely estranged are looking back on their young selves who are completely in love. But those young selves are still a part of themselves. So those younger selves appear in scenes with them because the younger selves think they should get over themselves and go back together, get back together. So they have an agenda that they're pushing on their older selves. We um, workshopped it a couple times over the pandemic on Zoom. We had an amazing cast. We had Mandy Gonzalez and Colton Ryan, Michael Park. We had really wonderful people. And um, Michael Park said to me, this is so timely. Oh my God, this is so timely. Something happened over the pandemic. I had notes I hadn't looked at for two years since the Adirondacks and I finally had time being alone <laughs> to, to pull them out and work on them. And somehow the show got infused with this sense of an abandoned New York and a New York that's always changing and the ground slipping away beneath our feet. Um, it feels very of the moment. Mm-hmm. And it's four actors in a band, you know what I mean? So it's- Yes, so wonderful. So is there anything, I'll ask kind of two questions and you can kind of pick which one you're, you can answer. Are there any future plans that for the musical that you can, you know, let us in on? I know some things probably are not public knowledge, but is there anything that you, that is, it, that is coming up for the musical or in terms of the development? But then my alternate question is <laughs> what would you, what would you as a creative in your process, what would you like the next process to be without a doubt what would be best for us is to have another regional production of the show and the show is 100 percent ready for it mm-hmm. and to have a proper rehearsal and preview period to make those changes mm-hmm. um, we've been working with josh rhodes on the show and he's oh, been wonderful. brilliant to work with on it yeah 
so that the the best thing would be having the opportunity to to begin a rehearsal process right and i'm hoping the album will help that oh absolutely people will grow familiar with the songs and you know yes absolutely absolutely cast albums are are an incredible way of getting the word out about a show getting the fan base excited and um mm. it's really thrilling it's so thrilling and it's mm-hmm. so ex- it's so exciting i'm so um congratulations stephen this is just Thank a you, really Robbie. exciting project and a really i think um exciting way to to re-enter and come back and to you know be introducing people to this to this music and exactly what michael said to you in that zoom workshop that it is mm-hmm. very timely and it's mm-hmm. um you know a very wonderful way to, to come back to theater and and it sounds so theatrical too which is you know what i what i love most about it actually is it's mm-hmm. very, um, it's poetic in a way. I don't, by which I don't mean necessarily the quality of my writing, but the the whole conceit of the show, the way it comes in and out of town, and the opportunities for staging that fact that oh, this night is transpiring in these two people's memories and in their present tense with their inner voices. Oh, wonderful! So so exciting. Well, we're I, I know everyone is going to be so excited to hear it. And and where can people find the album? The the normal places: Apple Music, Spotify. Yeah, and it's titled Burt Backrack and Stephen Sater's Some Lovers. Because actually, if you just search Some Lovers, a lot of similar titles come up. But if you okay. search, I think our names together. There, that's this is the only album we've done. So so that'll come up. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's on Spotify and Apple Music. There will be a physical CD released on Black Friday, and you can pre-order that now. There's talk of maybe doing a vinyl record, though we haven't, and I'm really hoping we will, but we haven't yet committed to a pressing of that. Wonderful. Well, I will have a link to all of this in, in the show notes of the podcast so people folks can find it really easy and also on the, all the social media, all the Instagram and everything like that. Oh, that's nice. Thank you. Of course. And, you know, just wrapping it up, just one final last question. You know, mm. we are moving into theater happening again. You know, television mm, is happening. Everything is, you know, really rearing up. And I know that we are we are ready to stop staring at our streaming <laughs> devices and our Netflix as much as we love it, you know, and our Hulu and everything. And we're wanting to get back into the theater and have these cathartic experiences with everyone else. I just wonder for you where you are with your writing and maybe some lovers, but just even a bit broader sense of some lovers. What are, is there anything that you're thinking about or ruminating on or meditating on about your work and moving forward or anything you're wanting to work work on or work more towards or um, just anything as we are re re going into we will never go back to before right we are we are moving forward into a new world and just kind of where you find yourself wanting to be creative where you find yourself the mediums you want to be working and creating right now you always seem to be working in many different mediums at the same time um, but but I just wonder for for you what what comes up or what what that whatever that question means for you. Well, I think there are, there are a couple of things to answer here. One is, yes, I'm working on multiple projects in various media. There's no doubt about that. I'm working on a movie musical. I'm working on a new television series with musical elements, which I'm very excited about. I have three musicals, one which I mentioned in very active development right now over the course of the pandemic that I've been working on, where I've been working with the directors on Zoom, you know, and we've begun now as the world has begun to reopen, 
begun to kind of promote, you know, send out the scripts and sc begin the conversations with artistic directors about those plays. So I'm very actively engaged in that. Also, I'm about to leave for London where um, of the revival of Spring Awakening, which has been long awaited in London, has, it began rehearsal, began music rehearsals last week. It began um, scene work today. So that's at the Almeida Theater. Rupert Gould, the brilliant, is directing it. We've been talking about him directing it since the show first opened on Broadway. Um, and again, when it first opened in London, which was 12 years ago. Um, so that's very exciting for me. And I'm very excited about the production and his ideas um, and more to say about that. Um, and tickets went on sale today too, if anyone's going to be in London. I but, wish. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can come over. Um, they, they, they just jump over. Yeah. Um, do you know what the run, do you know what the run dates are for just folks? That I are don't, listening? but I, I believe it starts December 7th. Now it used to start before then first preview. I know it runs till the end of January. Great. Tickets on Wonderful. sale till the end of January at the Almeida. Wonderful. Um, we'll link out to that too. If you check the show notes. Yeah. I've always been writerly, you know, and I've always since, have we talked about that? I had this terrible accident when I was 20 and mm -hmm. yeah, I've been determined to create things that could make a dent in the world, affect culture. Mm -hmm. So the pandemic has been, you know, very good for, for many of us, I think about assessing what's most important to us and what we most want to do. And so I feel reaffirmed in that mission. And at the same time, I, I've, I've been writing poetry. I wrote a long poem about, it was called a plague year, kind of in the shadow of the wasteland, you know, trying to address this time. I have a novel I've been working on for many years, which I've had so much time to work on over these months. And these things are really primary to me also. And so I, I guess I've just continued to put those things first and also to try and bring to fruition things I've been really invested in for all these years, like some lovers that I really felt I owe such a debt to Bert for writing with me and that I want to bring this album for him into the world. And I feel that with similar shows. I mean, that Duncan and I are working again on The Nightingale, which is a musical of ours we worked on for many years and then haven't worked on since 2012. And we found a great director for it. I've been working on it really actively. And I, I feel, in a way, I feel like I made a promise to Hans Christian Andersen to tell a story you know, in my own way, and then I need to fulfill it. So that's what I feel. I want to... Um, I'm less interested in sign, raising my hand for new things. I'm mostly invested in bringing these things to conclusion, to completion and bringing them forward. That's what I feel. I love that. I love that answer. I, I think that's, we can kind of think about that in many different ways, I think, and different parts of our life, you know, coming, bringing other things to conclusion and whether it's relationships, friendships, mm -hmm. works of art, all different, many things, many things. Yeah. 
Stephen, thank you so much for for this wonderful catch up interview. Um, you are such a supporter and good friend of the podcast, and and we will we would welcome you back anytime. Mm-hmm. I know the podcasters so love to love to hear from you, and and I always love to mm-hmm. you know get to see you and catch up and check in with you, and just very very excited for some lovers and mm-hmm. very excited. <laughs> I was already thinking, man, I really want to get to London in January. I was already <laughs> thinking that. Now I'm like, oh no, I really got to get over there just very excited about spring awakening and you know welcome seeing many different versions of it it's Mm. it'll always be one of my top favorite musicals so Mm. thank you for your time Stephen, and always good to chat with you just such a pleasure doing this with you i can't even tell you For more information on the podcast and our guests, visit thebreakdownpodcast.com and connect with us. Let us know you're listening on Instagram and Facebook at The Breakdown with Robbie. We also have some pretty exciting supplementary content over there like Instagram live catch-ups with some of your favorite podcast guests. If you like what you hear, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and write a quick review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this. And don't forget to check out TSMA Consulting. Use offer code BREAKDOWN20 for $20 off any of their growth packages at tsmagrowth.com. All right, listeners, thanks for listening and get ready for another episode of The Breakdown.